Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Sydney, it's New Year's Eve, practically. and as Eve, in, Eve, I believe. Eve, Eve, New Year's yes. Eve, Eve. And I am ready to get crunk. Oh. Are that, we going to do that? As young parents, I'm <laughs> ready to get crunk. I'm going to stay up till 12, 15. As, yeah, as young parents, I don't know that we can make it till 12, 15. We'll stay up till 12, 15. I'm going to have a glass of champagne. It's going to get is that wild. Enough to, is that enough to get crunk for you now? I'm One gonna, glass of champagne? I'm going to stay up long enough to see the first performance of Pitbull on Ryan Seacrest, but I won't see his return to the stage at 1220. I will be out. But yeah, 1215, I, I will see you there. I'm going to need you to wake me up. Most likely at midnight. Was the countdown starts? Yeah, just and I'll I'll like very sleepily, kind of. Although when we need to keep it down, like be quiet. Yeah, because Charlie will be sleeping. Um, so. the main thing is this the champagne though. Right. Gonna get so I, I figure a lot of people are gonna do a lot of drinking. Mm-hmm. You know. Yes, they uh they are gonna get crunk. Uh, so I thought crunk ju- with crunk juice. Right. What is crunk juice now? I think it's alcohol. I'm pretty okay. sure. I don't know. I'm not positive. I'm not well versed on crunk or the juices involved in crunking. No, no. The juices are a mystery to me. R E I E crunk. I thought, in light of all the crunking that will be happening mm-hmm. in the next two days, and the crunk juice consumption. Yes. That it would be appropriate to discuss the history of alcohol or crunk juice or whatever, whatever you prefer. Um, as it as it pertains to medicinal use. Okay, Sydney. So tell me about the use of crunk juice as medicine. Well, first of all, let me just thank uh, several people who have suggested this. Actually, I think as far back as like October of 2013 was when people first started saying, "Hey, hey, you should do this topic." And you're right, and we are now. So thank you to Jason, thank you to James, and thank you to Catherine. Excellent. Because you guys. all independently, unless it was a plan, unless it was a plot, mm-hmm. a long con. Yeah, I think you independently suggested this. So, alcohol, I mean, we know that alcohol has been around for a really long time, right? Sure. Who knows how we first discovered it, um, you know, that, that you could ferment things and it was wonderful. I don't know. The Egyptians were like, we want to get crunk, but how? How does that happen? It just happened. Things would become fermented and then they would figure out that it was awesome. And then it was like, how can we make that awesome thing? They would trick idiot Jerry, the again. village idiot, into drinking it. And he was like, hey, guys, I don't want to cause a panic. 
but I'm crunk right now. It was probably I got crunk. <laughs> it was probably like fruit that went over. I would, I would imagine. Like, One time I left a bottle of Mountain Dew in my uh, bicycle bottle. My bicycle had like an attached water bottle. And I left Mountain Dew in there. And I forgot about it for like four months. And then I went out to get it and it smelled like terrible. And I thought that I had created alcohol. I don't think so. I don't think that's how it works. I don't think Mountain Dew ferments. I don't think it does. But it smelled bad. And I thought it might have been Mountain Dew wine. Yes. I did not it's test also, it. It's, but I can't imagine that it would be any worse for you than Mountain Dew already Probably is. Probably not. Probably so. not. Or any soda. I'm not hating on Mountain Dew. Yeah. I don't want to get I don't want to get letters from Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> They're always listening. They're yes. waiting for their chance to pounce. Soda is not great for you. Drink it in moderation. There you go. There you go. Uh, so they found beer jugs as far back as like the Neolithic period. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you know it's a beer jug? Is it labeled? It's got the Budweiser logo. Beer on it. jug. It has like the the Happy Hour specials stuck to it, <laughs> chiseled on it. Uh, the Egyptians drank. The Greeks, the Romans, the Chinese. Uh, we found evidence from all ancient civilizations that they were drinking alcohol. Uh, but as f- but it, in the you know original consumption of alcohol, it was really for medicinal and health benefits. Mm. It was part of it was part of religious ceremonies, but it was largely thought that drinking was good for you. That's where the toast drink. Drink to your health. To your health. Drink to your health. That's it. It comes from that idea, and you can find that independently. That toast in multiple different cultures just arising because of the concept that we're going to be drinking literally for our health. Hmm. Uh, one of the earliest known recipes, by the way, this is found on a Sumerian clay tablet from like four thousand years ago, hmm. was a beer recipe. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So one of the first things we were like. We figured out how to do this. We've got to make sure everyone else knows. I don't know how to write yet, but I'm going to invent writing so I can write (laughs) down a recipe for beer. For beer. Uh, In the tomb of the Egyptian pharaoh, Scorpion the First, which, by the way. Pretty cool name. Awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Scorpion? How did I never know there was an Egyptian pharaoh named Scorpion? I like that he's the first. Like, don't even try to front i am the first scorpion i'm the first guy with the sweet idea to call myself scorpion there wasn't even a scorpion the second he just wanted to make sure but nope. he knew sorry so haters they found in his tomb a jar with uh the remnants of wine and medicinal herbs which is why we believe that they were using alcohol for medicinal purposes because why else would you have a bunch of things that we knew they were using uh, you know for the health benefits dissolved in wine mm-hmm you know, clearly it was some sort of, of health beverage. Um, Hippocrates, do you know he made an ancient form of vermouth? I did not know that. He also experimented with wine and herbs and mixing them together to make like an herbal liqueur kind of thing. And he uh, he used it for deworming people. Oh, well, I mean, he pretended to. <clears throat> well, yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't know that that would actually deworm you. I don't think so. I don't know, though. I mean, we could try it. All right, I'll give it a whirl. All of these things are great to try because they involve drinking. Yeah, drink (laughs) and see if the worms come out. Who knows? If not, you won't care. Have a martini, check for worms. Uh, the, The Romans also jumped on this bandwagon, and that's really where we see alcohol playing the largest part in medicine is... Uh, it's used to extract the medicinal properties, like the active ingredients from herbs. So like if you put anything in alcohol, it's going to help kind of, you know, I mean, if you can think about it, like breaking it down, dissolving it and extracting the stuff from it that mm-hmm. is useful, alcohol is good at that. Um, and then occasionally it was used in an, as an anesthetic. Oh, well, that would work, right? Oh, you just, mean like a local anesthetic or just like drink up? 
like drink up okay drink this until you pass out and then we'll do we'll do, do surgery. ancient surgery on you Ooh man talk about your bad hangovers that one will get you where you wake up and your head's pounding and also oh my god my scar is oozing <laughs> also they drilled a hole in your head yeah. so that Watch was also out. what happened um it was the arab scholars who discovered distillation and so this was at this point this is where we figured out that we could make alcohol routinely like we understood the process how to distill it and create it um and this also became very important because the beverage that we were creating in the process of distillation was sterilized right Mm -hmm. because you've got to boil the water and so the thing that was created was much safer to drink than a lot of the water at the time oh well that that makes sense yeah because it it was a it didn't have all the weird botulism and plague germs that not those but you get the idea you know, you know germs like cholera i don't, have to, tell get... you, I don't have to tell you people about germs and then this uh so yeah so the the germs wouldn't be in the water or in the alcohol water that you were drinking mm-hmm. because but they're in the regular water so they started calling the distilled alcohol uh aqua vitae oh water of life water of life sure it was interesting because whiskey was invented not long after that mm-hmm and the word whiskey comes from the Gaelic word for water of life. Now, were they just stealing it? Copy, copycats? Or is it just Did the, we just arrive at it that naturally? Yeah, that alcohol is indeed the water of life. It's that obvious. Um, it was also understood that alcohol was an antiseptic pretty early. You know, that if you applied it to surfaces, it would... It would help cleanse them. That's weird because, like, we we didn't even understand, like, germs or germ theory back nope. then and stuff. But we... we Saw something with alcohol? Well, we knew that people who drank alcohol didn't get sick the way people who just drank water did. I bet it burned, too. I bet that was part of it. You know what I mean? Like, it had a little bit of a burn, a burn to it. Maybe that felt like, I don't know, that, but I bet that's doing something. That would make sense, because you think about a lot of our treatments at the time were things that would make us pee or puke or, you know, right. have pain massive and, diarrhea, yeah. so, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, or things that smell bad. Um, this actually has led some you know, modern day scholars to believe that maybe, maybe there's such a proclivity for alcohol now, right? Like Mm -hmm. multiple cultures drink a lot of alcohol. We, if you look at the stats, Americans drink, I mean, tons of alcohol on average each year. Literal tons. Tons. Um, And we are like ranked 39th out of drinking countries. So we're not even close to the top of the list. Um, But that being said, Clearly, a lot of people like to drink. So maybe it's because our ancestors who drank alcohol outlived those who didn't. Oh, you're saying like we are you telling me that we evolved a a a desire for alcohol? I'm I'm not saying I know this. I'm saying it's possible because drinking alcohol was safer than drinking water back then. I I I approve. So I you, approve you, of this evolutionary step. You didn't die of cholera if you drank the the booze so so if you don't drink it's unnatural <laughs> and you're marked for extinction i'm not saying that i am i'm not saying that. i am um so like i said the most prominent use of alcohol was to desert to dissolve other herbs or plant substances or something that would make a medicine and this is interesting because this was actually the basis of some liquors um gin for instance you know what what is put in gin what the active you know it tastes like pine needles but i don't think that that's what it is wait 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 uh, juniper berries yes oh, i knew i had that in there somewhere and they were a popular diuretic oh okay so they would dissolve juniper berries in alcohol 
and use it as like a stomach tonic, mm-hmm. but it also made gin. Perfect. So there you go. Uh, chartreuse and Benedictine. Have you heard of those two liqueurs? Uh, chartreuse, I think, yeah. They're, Not Benedictine. Well, they both, same idea. They're both like herbal liqueurs mm-hmm. that were invented as medicines uh, by monasteries. Monks actually made them. Huh. Uh, brandy was a popular alcohol that was used uh, at the time to fight the Black Death, actually. Okay. Well, that wouldn't work, but man, I do like brandy. I thought you would appreciate that. Uh, and creme de menthe was actually invented as a digestive to, to take after a meal to help your stomach work better. Now, that would work, right? Because the mint does have some sort of digestive properties, wouldn't it? Uh, I mean, yes, mint mint can calm an upset stomach, but at the same time, I mean, it's an alcohol. Right. I don't know how much alcohol ever calms your stomach, so at least not mine. Uh, we should tell everybody uh, at this point... Uh, before we head to the billing department, we have been joined once again by our uh, third host on Sawbones, uh, Chuck, a.k.a. the Poodle, a.k.a. the Puddle, a.k.a. the Pickle, as everybody calls her. Everybody's kind of split on that. Or just so, Charlie Gale. Or just Charlie Gale, if you like that. So if you do hear some cooing, you are not having podcast uh, technical difficulties. It is a human baby. We thought she'd nap. She, she didn't. didn't. But hey, let, uh, let's, let's, go to, let's go to the billing department. Let's Why check not? it out. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I'm eating filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the 
easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So for many, many years, you know, following this kind of ancient pattern, alcohol was a widely accepted treatment. Um, As we move into, you know, the 17 and 1800s, people thought of it, interestingly, as both a stimulant and a depressant. Hmm. Uh, They thought that it would stimulate your heart to, you know, pump your blood better and make your circulatory system for a little while for like a little while. And then you you overshoot. And then it's a depressant. Oops. Well, exactly. And, the, and, you know, it's funny because they would they would talk about it's so great because it raises your pulse and your blood pressure, which I don't know why that was like, it's great. My blood pressure's through the roof. Yeah, this is wonderful. Thanks, alcohol. Thanks, alcohol. I don't know how blood works. But the, but they also recognized that it was a depressant because they, they knew that it would relieve stress and anxiety and CP inhibition times. and make you go to sleep if you drank a lot of it. Um, one of my favorite quotes from a, from a physician, I think this was actually in the 1800s, said, uh, alcohol is, I suppose, the most valuable sedative and hypnotic drug we possess for infants and young children. Oh, Chuck's into that, though. She'll get crunk. Baby crunk. You ever see a baby get crunk? It's amazing. We didn't give our baby alcohol. No, we're just breast milk. That's all she gets. Yeah. That's it. Um, It was prescribed for anything, you know, because it would make you feel better no matter what was going on. So let's say you have a cold or worse, pneumonia. Alcohol. Maybe you've got a fever. Alcohol. Frostbite. Alcohol. Snake bite. Alcohol. Depression. Alcohol. Did you break your leg? Alcohol. There you go. Alcohol. The most widely accepted remedies were actually whiskey and brandy. Um, brandy was the first one. Brandy was really thought to be the the king of all the, um, you know, medical alcohols. Whiskey became as popular largely because it was just the thing that was available in other areas. Yeah. So I like that reasoning, though. Well, we don't have brandy, so um, um, whiskey works just whiskey, as well. Whiskey g- works whiskey okay. totally works. I've had bartenders try to pull that trick on me before. We don't have brandy. Maybe you want some whiskey in your horse's neck, but I don't. I want brandy. It's Ginger a, ale and bitters. It's a different thing. It's a different thing. Uh, brandy was actually often used for fainting victims. When they were unconscious, they thought the best way to revive them was to pour some brandy down their throat. Now, this would probably work. Mm-hmm. As you choked on brandy, you probably would wake up. What a, but what a fine wake up it would be. Um, alcohol was also put in a lot of tonics and cough medicines. Um, it was given to people in hospitals who couldn't eat. So it was thought to be an appetite stimulant as well as just a good source of calories. Oh, Oh, sure. Beer was used in this way. Like, well, just give them some beer because they can't eat anything right now. But maybe we could just, you know, give them some beer. Liquor is surprisingly dense in calories. You know, for an ounce of hard liquor, like a a whiskey or brandy, it's 60 calories for an ounce. That seems like, yeah, that's a lot. It's dense. Yeah. And I think people often think of like liquor as like the low cal alternative to beer. Not that. Certainly, beer is that low. Beer yeah. usually, especially good beer, you're right. going to be looking at two, two fifty. It's worth drinking. Um, 
TB patients were sometimes put on alcohol drips. Is that not is that not a thing that still happens? I'm no, assuming? we don't we don't put patients with tuberculosis on a drip of ethanol. No. What about for hangover patients? You can give them all hair of the dog. <laughs> no, we don't. I I can't think of a time when I've written for an ethanol drip. But you do write though for beer, right? Like you can write for beer. Well, that's funny. You're skipping ahead, but I'll go ahead and let I you didn't do mean it. To, sorry, I'll go ahead and let you do it. You can actually now um, in the in the hospital write for beer, like order beer to be given to the patients. If like, let's say they are an alcoholic, you know that there's someone who's going to withdraw and withdraw from alcohol is deadly. I think we talked about this on our alcoholism show. So you have to you have to treat it. If you know they're going to go back to drinking and maybe they're not going to be in the hospital very long, you can order beer to give them with their meals or snacks. <laughs> my prescription, bud. <laughs> to prevent to prevent them from having withdrawal. I got to tap the Rockies. It's a prescription. <laughs> now, let me just say, um, I've never done it. We we all talk about how we can do it. We know that I think I think that they give like Bud Light or it something. It ain't gonna be good. You're gonna get <laughs> your fix, like, but you're not gonna enjoy it. You're not getting craft beer, but um, <laughs> but I've never done it. I just know that it, you can do it. Uh, back then, you wouldn't just give somebody a can of beer. You were gonna give them alcohol, and you could do it orally. You could do it IV. You could do it IM, meaning an intramuscular injection. You just give them a shot of alcohol, in, like literally a shot in the arm. Yeah. Or rectally. If they couldn't take anything by mouth. Uh, of the options, I'm just going to go ahead and sip it. I'd rather not put it in my uh, butt. In my butt. Right. I think that's always, that That would be my reaction to anything. I would rather sip it than put know, it in my butt. just know in case I ever lose the power of speech because of some medical ailment. Not in my butt. Please. Not in your butt. Okay. The general rule, not in your butt. Living will, not my butt. It's a very <laughs> short living will. Four words, not in my butt. Um, I have a bracelet. <laughs> I have a medical says, ID bracelet. It says not in my butt. N I M B. There's a picture of a caduceus, and then not it says in not butt. in my butt, please. <laughs> uh, we've talked about patent medications a lot before, but um, you know, as you know, alcohol was the basis for many kind of the fake medicines, the nostrums that were that were peddled by uh, by salesmen and charlatans um, because it made you feel good. So it seemed like it might have been doing something. So it was used for sleep, for colds, for liver problems, ironically, um, for teething children. Just give them some alcohol. Sure. Rub it on the gums, maybe. Or maybe if they won't go to sleep. <laughs> really anything. Um, bitters. You mentioned bitters earlier. They were created as like a medical you know, as a medical use of alcohol. They were supposed to improve stomach tone for appetite and for stomach function. So that's where Angostura bitters come from. Oh, as a stomach... I wonder if you're supposed to take them by themselves or maybe mix with something. Well, they would suggest mixing them in a cocktail. But, you know, it's funny now, the thought is, was that more because the bitters were not pleasant to take alone? So you just mix them in a cocktail so you can get your medicinal bitters down? Huh. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I'm not saying that's true, but that's a thought now. Interesting. But as with all good things, as, as with our, our marijuana episode, our cocaine, our science cocaine is coming along to ruin talk, it. our opium episode. Uh, in the 1800s, there was growing concern about the, of course, the moral and social effects of just drunkenness, as well as some early idea of alcohol's negative impact on your body, you know, liver disease. And we didn't 
you know, understand all of the physiology behind it, but we knew that alcohol was doing something to people to hurt well, them. At the very least, I imagine people were getting jaundiced, and that was, you know, indicating that something was going on. Exactly, and it took us a while to to understand that that you know the people's livers going bad had something to do with the alcohol, but we finally kind of got the picture. And um, by 1916, the AMA started to refute any of the medical claims of alcohol, saying, look, you know, alcohol is not a medicine. It, it probably shouldn't be prescribed. Um, you know, we don't really see any medical benefits at this point. It does a lot of harm. Um, but this didn't, of course, convince most patients. Right. And many doctors still still refuse to believe Don't stop it. believing, guys. Um, when prohibition became law in this country in 1920, there were a lot of physicians who, you know, okay, they were still allowed to prescribe a certain amount of liquor. Okay, you could prescribe medicinal whiskey, medicinal brandy, and medicinal bitters. Okay. But you could not prescribe beer. Why is that, Sydney? Because it was not seen as having any medicinal value. And the AMA had said as much. You know, you can't, beer just, it's not good for you, Is was the opinion. Right. So uh, there was a movement of a lot of physicians, but probably more so than the physicians, it was a lot of brewers mm. and a lot of drinkers <laughs> who argued that there were people suffering and maybe even dying from their inability to obtain beer from their physicians. Oh, such a, such a tragic, such a tragic situation that people all over their co- the country find themselves in. They are dying because they can't get their brew on. Exactly. So so they all banded together and started to, you know, pressure the government and, and I bet those meetings lobby. were pretty cool, huh? I bet that those were some cool organizational meetings <laughs> they had. Guys, how can we get beer back? I really miss beer. I miss beer. Does it help anybody with anything? Does beer do anything good? And there were a lot of, you know, and I think we talked about this before, there were a lot of alcohols in the patent medicine episode that that were created specifically at this time to try to skirt the prohibition laws. Like, hey, if you take this, we talked about Jamaican ginger, mm-hmm. which that's was the Jake leg, right? That's how you got Jake leg, which was a, a neurological condition you developed from some of the other stuff they used to make this alcohol based fake medicine. <laughs> um, but there were a lot of things that were created to kind of skirt the laws, but nobody could figure out how to how do we get beer to people without just saying, hey, your doctor can prescribe you beer. Right. So in 1921, the attorney general was a Mitchell Palmer, and he had actually been uh, criticized a lot because he'd had a lot of um, he, he was seen as an attorney general who didn't really believe in personal freedom. And he'd done a lot to kind of investigate people for, you know, coerce activities and especially in in regards to the prohibition and stuff and so he wasn't well liked and he was being lobbied heavily by this group to allow doctors to prescribe beer if they wanted to and he said fine fine you know what prohibition doesn't extend to that if a doctor wants to prescribe beer they can not only can they they can prescribe it as much and as often as they want for whatever they want and druggists can make it and sell it and it can be sold at drugstore soda fountains next to soda. <laughs> wink, wink. You know, it's funny, though. There's, uh, I think you could probably, if you were of a mind, draw some parallels between uh, this situation and the use of, like, medical marijuana. Like, I think there's some pretty obvious parallels between the two. I think you can see a lot of parallels between these. And, and I think this was just the final, like... We don't really know what to do with it. We don't know about the evidence, but there's a doctor saying like, hey, I want to prescribe my patient's beer. (laughs) Sorry. 
Charlie wants some too. Yeah. So so I should be allowed to prescribe my patients beer. And the attorney general said, I don't care, whatever. Everybody hates me. I'm I'm just sick of taking all this He's crap. Flipping everybody the double bird and going out in style. <laughs> this was this was actually right before he left. Awesome. What a what a what a rock and roll final act. I, I really like um the next day in the New York Times the headline was Brewers Jubilant over medical beers. <laughs> And that was probably the main pressure behind this. It, it's funny, if you look at quotes from, like, the medical societies at the time, the doctors were all like, we really don't feel that we need to prescribe no, beer. We, we, yeah. We're not really that concerned. I mean, there were a handful of doctors and who and probably one, like drinking. There's one doctor in the corner who's like, I'm in. Come on down. Well, and I think it, it, you, you compared it to medical marijuana. I think a lot of us feel that way about the medical marijuana. I don't know. I mean... If we want to study it and then someday make it legal for me to prescribe it, that's fine. I'm not in a hurry to have something else that I'm going to have a lot of patients asking me for all the time. <laughs> yeah, there's already you know, a lot of hot, hot commodities over I mean, there right there's now. There's already a lot of discussions about, you know, opiates and about benzos. And I don't know that, you know, at, doctors at the time were probably like, really? Now I'm going to have like a really busy schedule with guys going, I, I just I think I need beer. I think you need to prescribe me beer. Doc, I got fever. So because you could prescribe people as much beer as you wanted for literally anything, Congress freaked out. And over the next couple months, they got together and started writing legislation to stop this. And it was not more than a few months later that they passed what was known as the emergency beer bill. Emergency beer, as in we need to stop beer. This is our emergency stop beer bill. Not like a a, a, a bill to create a strategic reserve of emergency <laughs> beer in case of national emergency and need a national hang. If we ever should need to hang as a nation, we have a strategic beer reserve. That yeah. is not what is happening here. If you want to know, the strategic beer reserve was me figuring out how to make my own beer just in case, because you never know. You never know. Big Brother is watching, and he might too, take my beer away. Yeah, you can't be too too cautious. So uh, they refined the Attorney General's ruling with this bill that said, okay, yes, you can prescribe alcohol, but only a half pint every 10 days, and only liquor, specifically whiskey and brandy, no beer. Medicinal beer is, is out. So medicinal beer was out. What a great few weeks, though. Yeah. So for a few months, your doctor could not only prescribe you beer, they could prescribe you as much beer as they wanted. And can you imagine, like, at, at the drugstore? Like, I mean, I know we don't have, like, a lot of soda fountains, drugstore soda fountains now. But there what would if, be, like, can I have, like, a what are those things called that kids would order with the ice cream and the... Uh, like a phosphate? Yeah, or like a phosphate, or like a an a cow cream. or something. A cow? No. Wasn't there like the one, a, the, the, the ones that make the milk, babe. The black and white what? or something. What? <laughs> it was like chocolate and vanilla. An egg cream? No. I don't know. Okay. I'm just making things up. Anyway, go order your weird, your weird ice cream soda beverage, and also there's a guy next to you just chugging the medical beer. Medical <laughs> just... beer. I wonder if they had a hard time spooling production back up. Like, because I, I, I'm sure the commercial beer industry had kind of slowed down. Well, it had. And then the the medical beer was their savior. That was the thing was the breweries were mainly behind this printed, movement. Printed red crosses on all the cans and went for it. <laughs> well, they talked about like what is going to happen now is, is that all the soda fountains are going to become bars because they can serve beer. And I mean, I would imagine you make more money off selling beer than you do selling phosphates. Yeah. I, would, I don't know. One would think. So not sure what the profit margin is on those. Soon after this, 
in the 1930s. This was actually when, you know, Guinness used to use the slogan, Guinness is good for you. And that was when they had to stop doing that. Yeah. Because, you know. Yeah. Medicinal beer had been debunked. Socially good for you, maybe. Yeah. But but not not so much like good for you. Right. Um, by the 1940s, we really understood the dangerous effects of alcohol and the idea that there really weren't health benefits, regu- whether you were just, you know, taking alcohol-containing medicines or giving people IV brandy, <laughs> there really was no good reason to do it. It was a fun thing. Um, and it wasn't until the 40s that we finally took brandy and whiskey out of the U.S. pharmacopoeia. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And so after that, you know, since then, we now know that, that alcohol, for the most part, is just for funsies. Yeah. Um, there is some evidence, and I'm sure everybody right now is going, but wait, I thought I saw that article on CNN that said that alcohol is good wine, for you now. Red wine. Red wine, like yeah. Heart, yeah. There is some evidence that maybe some moderate, you know, mild to moderate alcohol consumption could have some long-term health benefits for you. Uh, the big difference is that you don't want to take alcohol to fix something that's going you know if, if you have pneumonia you don't need to take some alcohol for it uh contrary to a lot of um when we talked about appalachian folk medicine you don't need to drink whiskey to get rid of well any problem that you have right well it'll make you forget about them um so maybe maybe there's some long-term health benefits i don't know preventative it's it's not a cure but maybe a preventative maybe and and even that i you know I, at this point, I don't encourage people who don't drink to start drinking for that reason. Yes. I would say that if you do drink, um, drink in moderation. Drinking a lot is definitely dangerous to your health. Obviously, we know about liver disease and cirrhosis, um, but it also makes you a really bad driver. Yeah. So don't do that. And sometimes you're really no fun at parties after too much. You can think about this is going to be news to you, but you can overdo it on alcohol. So I think it's like I, I saw somebody in the, when I was reading about this medical beer act, someone said the most important thing to remember is the dose makes the poison. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most important thing to remember with alcohol. It's really the amount that you're drinking that decides if it's an okay thing to have in your life or not. Mm-hmm. So play it safe. So over this over this New Year's holiday, you know, be careful. Have a designated driver who doesn't drink anything. And, t- and take and, it easy. Uh, and take it easy. You know, it's okay to have a couple glasses of champagne and enjoy yourself. But, I mean, why ruin New Year's Day when you're going to eat all that cabbage? (laughs) That is not a thing. (laughs) That is. You eat cabbage, corned beef and cabbage on New Year's Day. Folks, thank you so much for listening to our program uh, with our our special bonus guest, uh, our baby, who's attempting to eat her hand at the moment. Uh, Thanks to the Maximum Fun Network for having us uh, as part of the family. A uh, ton of great shows on there. Uh, Destination DIY Baby Geniuses uh, is is a funny one. Um, uh, uh, Jordan, Jesse, Go, Judge John Hodgson, all those classics. Uh, uh, my brother, my brother. And oh, me. thank you, dear. I appreciate that. Uh, that's a comedy by show I do with my brothers. Uh, and there's so much more. So go to MaximumFun.org and you can find all of those. Uh, thanks to Harry's for sponsoring the show. Uh, thank you to the taxpayers for letting us use their song Medicines. Thanks to uh, everybody supporting our show and uh, sending in suggestions. You can send those to Sawbones Show, or, or sorry, just Sawbones at MaximumFun.org. You can find our show at SawbonesShow.com. And keep sending those suggestions for topics. Even if I haven't gotten around to it yet, that doesn't mean I won't. Mm-hmm. It just means I haven't yet. Obviously, it took me a year to do alcohol. So, so you never know. Uh, and uh, that's going to do it for us until next Tuesday. I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.